You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. One of these guys that used to be my youth group leader, and he came up to me on the beach, and uh, he said, can we go for a bit of a walk? Um, And we went on a walk um, down the beach with one of my youth leaders, Um, one that I respected, one that I knew didn't love to talk, was pretty quiet, and so I was actually, I was like, the fact he's even talking a lot means this is actually pretty special. And so we went for a walk. And he told me this story. He told me a story about a relationship when he was younger, he got caught up in, and it was extremely unhealthy. And even though it went on for a while, he broke it up, it still affected him, still affected him. And I'm, I'm thinking, why are you telling me this? This is pretty deep. He, was, he, he got a bit emotional. He shared as we walked down this beach. Um. And then he turned to me after he had invited me into his life and he said, now what about you? And insert a girl I was seeing at that time. Let's call her Mez. <laughs> and he said, what about some of the unhealthy things that you have found yourself in in your early 20s? Um, and that's all he said. I shared a little bit and then we walked back. The time spent the invitation into this man's life and just a simple space to walk down the beach and have a conversation and allow God to stir in that, I actually ch- it changed me. actually affected the way I was in this relationship and actually had a profound change for me. And all it was was a walk on the beach. No lecture. No, I told you so. No, don't do this. An invitation into his weakness and a challenge for me conversations, questions, how we talk to each other as a family, what type of things we say can be life-giving, life-changing, or can be destructive. It's massively important. If we as a church are aiming to be an ever-growing, inclusive, unifying family table, then one of the questions is, how do we invite God into these meetings? our everyday interactions, our hospitality dinners. How do we invite God into lunch? Every conversation so that it's life-giving and it's like that moment on the beach, allowing space for God. I called this message this morning because we've spent, if you have been with us, you'll know we spent around seven weeks in a hospitality series and so I called this sort of sermon slash interviews this morning called, called it Dinner Conversations. What type of things does a family talk about over dinner or lunch or coffee or whatever you're eating? But first of all, before we just spend a little bit of a moment in a bit of scripture this morning, I'm going to ask Daniel to come up and read a story from Matthew 17. Thank you so much, Daniel. Thank you, Steve. Good morning, church. That's on, yep. <laughs> That's on. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, our first reading's from Matthew 17. Uh, I'll give you a bit of time to turn there. It's about the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by them themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as light. 
Just then there appeared before him Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If you wish, I'll put up, a t- I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell down on the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Thanks. Thank you very much. That's a full-on story. (laughs) We won't cover it all today, but let, let me pray as we open up this for a moment this morning. Father God, thank you so much uh, that we don't have um, we don't have any we have this plan we have this uh, recipe we have these letters that are in the Bible and that we can see what it's like to interact with you we can learn from them and Lord I just pray the Scripture this morning speaks to us as we open it up and we explore what you have for us this morning may my words be used by you or even better than be your words. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. So lots in this passage. Not going to go, we'll probably explore it more in another time, what the transfiguration, what is actually happening in this passage. But I want to, one of the things I love about the Bible and one of the things that speaks to me of its truth is it doesn't shy away from the human part of it. You have this incredible mountaintop scene where Jesus transfigures and two people from the past scripture shows up and then there's this very human moment. And, and I think if you were going to fake the Bible, you wouldn't put those bits in. Um, it's, and, and that's what we're going to explore today, the human moment of this. And a guy called Peter. I love this. While he was still speaking. So Peter goes, he's excited. He sees uh, some of the prophets from the past appear and Jesus shows him his glory. And then Peter, being Peter, and we'll look at what else Peter does, jumps in and says, we need to build shelters for these guys. Quickly, gather, I don't know, gather the wood, quick. Why are they here? They need a place to stay. Just jump straight on in. And I love this because I'm known to talk a lot myself, but I've never been interrupted by God. (laughs) I've never talked that much that God says, listen to him. Listen to this. While he was still speaking, he says, oh, I don't know, we'll build a shelter. How big do you need it? Do you need an ensuite? How big, Elijah? How big? Listen to him. Imagine today it would be, let's get a selfie quickly, like it's Elijah. Get the phone out. Listen to him. I love that human nature, Peter. Um, it's just so human. Why put that in the Bible? If you're trying to prove something, but know that it's real humans, real events, and a real God that met with them. Never been interrupted by God. That's a new, I know when I've been talking too much, if God says, shh, <laughs> settle down with the shelters and just listen to my son. He has something to say. And that line alone isn't enough to know that that's exactly what Peter's like, except for we have the whole Bible. And so we have uh, Peter doing this all the time. He's always the first to jump in. To his credit, he's the first to jump out of the boat. 
We always have a go at him for sinking. But he's the only one out there. He's the only one who's having a go. To his credit, Jesus actually calls him the small rock on which he will establish the church. So there's some redeeming qualities in that. But most of the time, Peter just won't be, Peter jumps in without thinking. One time he tries to advise Jesus on what he should do next. Jesus replies, um, Get behind me, Satan. So that wasn't a good day for Peter either. So that's, I, again, haven't been interrupted by God, nor have I been called Satan from the Son of God. That is intense. And then, of course, the lowest point is when Jesus actually calls Peter out because Peter's being boastful at some point. I will never deny you, Jesus. He goes, I tell you what, Peter, out of fear, you'll deny me three times before I die tonight. And he does. Out of fear, Peter doesn't think, doesn't consider, and he denies Jesus three times, and he's left in a bit of a heap. He's left in a mess. He realises what he has done. Peter sometimes just needs to stop, listen, and seek God before he acts. Today is an AGM, a day set out each year to discuss and reflect the business of the church, and we'll get to that soon enough. But it's also a chance to reflect on our year. I know it's not New Year's Eve yet, but we all know Christmas decorations are going up. And before we know it, Christmas is done and then we find ourselves in 2019. What a perfect time as a church to say to God, what have you been teaching me? What have you been saying to me, God? I'll stop talking and building shelters for a moment and say, God, what... What have you got to say? And ask each other, what have God been doing? Dinner conversation, what has God been saying to you? What has he been saying? The reason this is so important is we live in a Peter-like world. We live in a world full of Peters. Tell me if you've heard this. Uh, They say, life is what you make it. You can create your own reality. The world will preach at us. Your attitude is what defines the day. It's probably a bumper sticker somewhere. You're the master of your destiny. Definitely a bumper sticker somewhere. We live in a hyper-individualistic world that says you need a name. You need a brand in order to be defined in this world. So as we look back on this year, it would be so easy to define our year on how well your business did if you have a business. Or even what others thought of you outside and onside so, uh, online social media. Or what others said, or whether you were comfortable, or did you enjoy this year. That's the things we go to in our society. We live in a world that encourages us to define ourselves, or even your year, before we've even thought to ask God what he thought of it, what he had to say. Sometimes we do this individually or sometimes it's so easy because we live in a culture soaked with this radical individualism that we do it as a church. So easy to look back on this year and say, did Burley Church of Christ entertain me? Did it fix me? Did it keep me comfortable? Did it do what I want? Did it make me happy? Did I get what I wanted? 
because then it's been a good year at church, right? If I got what I wanted. Not necessarily. Again, it's so easy to bring our benchmarks. Sometimes they're even good ones. Peter's benchmark to build shelters for the prophets and Jesus is a really nice thing to do. It's a really good benchmark. They're going to need somewhere to stay. He wants them to stick around. Let's build them some, I don't know, tiny houses. But in that moment, God didn't need Peter's benchmarks or agenda. He just needed Peter to listen. Because God had something to say. Let me invite us this morning in this celebration service to consider the lesson one of the first disciples had to learn. To not let our voice be the loudest in our life. To not let others' voices be the loudest in our life. But to let God's voice define us. Yet yet this year, as an individual and a church, let's ask God. God, did you, did you work this year? What did you do in us this year? I've got some questions, actually. What did God think of you, year? What was he saying to you this year? What was he stirring in you this year? Did he grow or challenge you this year? And if so, in what area? And then as a church, what did God think? Did he grow us as a family, as a people of God? Did he stretch us this year? What has he been saying to us this year? I'm going to ask, not randomly, so don't worry. <laughs> I'm going to ask some people this morning what God's been teaching them. And so I'm going to invite up Miriam first, if we want to make her welcome. I'm going to ask her. Do you want to stand or sit, Miriam? Which would you rather? Whatever. Okay, we'll sit if you're okay. I thought, what a chance to, let's ask what God has been stirring. And so I've instructed everyone up here that it doesn't have to be massive or small. It's just what God has been moving in. And um, being Miriam is usually at the back um, doing the behind the scenes stuff. I thought it'd be nice to hear your voice. And so she was very happy about getting on stage and publicly speaking. <laughs> so, um, so Miriam, what's God been saying to you, your family, um, yeah, this year, and what's he been stirring and challenging you with? Um, yeah, this year I'm um, talking about hospitality and uh, um, just thinking about God confirming with me about what we can do, um, the result of our hospitality to others. And I just want to share a little bit about my journey with my neighbour. Um, yeah. yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, no, you're, you're doing perfect. Yeah. I'm, I'm already stuffing it up. <laughs> Can you, no, 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 don't, don't apologise for my mistakes. Let me um, just ask this question first in case people haven't met you. What do you do? Who are you? <laughs> um, and, 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 yeah, how are you involved here? And then, yes, please tell us a bit about your year. Sorry, Miriam. Sorry. Um, so I'm Miriam. I'm married to John and I've got three girls, Isabella, Emmy and Josie. I work as a gynecologist and I do a lot of sound um, and multimedia at the back. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so back to my story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, just confirming that the importance of, um, like, sometimes when God prompts you to do something. So uh, this journey with my neighbour was about t uh, um, 18 months ago when 
Uh, they moved in about three years ago, and this couple had retired and came from Brisbane. Um, the husband was a, had a brain disorder, so he was a little bit hard to understand, and um, people found it hard to talk to him. And being in a small street, he was sort of a little bit ostracized. And so, um, because they're right next to me, I felt that I needed to really try and get to know um, them. And um, sort of, you see with neighbors every now and then, you don't really talk deeply, even though you might see them quite often. But unfortunately, 18 months ago, he passed away suddenly. And, um, and it prompted me that I should go to his funeral. And um, even though it was in Brisbane, and it was quite difficult and annoying at the time, but I knew that God said, I really have to go. And no one else knew, sort of really, would have gone in the street. And out of that, I think, was the beginning of our relationship, that she was more open to me and talking more about her life. And um, so we got talking more about how difficult it had been for her in the last year, being alone, living alone, and coping with it, and the family difficulties, the dynamics has been difficult for her. And um, so last Christmas, um, we were talking about our plans, and she mentioned that, yeah, it's a bit up and down. I will most probably be with my daughters, but I said, well, if it doesn't turn out right, just, just come over to my place. And um, so Christmas Day last year at 11 o'clock, I was like crazy in my cooking clothes, <laughs> running around. Um, she knocks on the door and says, oh, um, I'm coming for Christmas lunch. And I thought, wow, it's just so privileged. And um, so with time this year, we just shared more about how she, her feeling of, firstly, was that how I went to the funeral and that made her really sort of touched. And then out of that, this year we've been doing Alpha together um, for 15 weeks. And then she's not quite there for church yet, but she's accepted the Lord. And every week we do Bible study together. Yeah, yeah. she's accepted the Lord. I, um, I, I love that. I, it's people, especially because culture is so unknown today and it's moving so fast. And so how do we connect and, and people will say, how do I, and the classic traditional word is evangelism. How do I evangelize? Um, it's, it's not always the big glamorous stuff, but it's the, it's the attend the funeral. Like, attend the parts of their life. Be present. I don't know if you had to take a day off work. So, yeah, annoying, take a day off work, drive up to Brisbane. Um, so easy to go, it's Brisbane. Um, there's lots of traffic there. I bet it's in the middle of Brisbane. All those things, so easy to say, nah, um, that's not evangelism. But th- she, she, you were present there. And then Christmas, um, I, you haven't said this to me, but I, I imagine inviting someone into your home on your, Chris, your family Christmas. Um, it's a privilege, but I, I would find that also. I'm like, oh, this is my time with my family. It's Christmas. They're all together. You've got your oldest overseas. Bella's overseas at the moment. She'll be, she, you might, she's home for Christmas? So she's home for Christmas. This year you've got your family together and then um, there's this person that you now have to do like um, that awkward, so did, what do you do with yourself? That type of thing. So, um, but there you are inviting her in. Simple things we can all do, but um, it meant that you led someone to the, the truth in Jesus. And so um, Alpha, if you don't know, is like a Christianity Explained. Uh, it's something uh, we'd like to run here as well. It's great stuff, but yeah, and again, nights out, alpha. Yeah. 
Um, and so, thank you for sharing, Miriam. And let me let can we can we say her name? Can we pray for her, or you'd rather Lorraine. Lorraine or Elaine? Does she listen to the podcast? I was just thinking. So, okay. Oh, that hasn't been part of her journey. All right. Okay. Okay. We'll have to make that one. That's very important. So, <laughs> no. So, um, hey, Lorraine, if you're back tracking through the podcast, um, uh, let, let's pray for her. Father God, uh, thank you for this this journey um, that Miriam has so uh, bravely spoken about lord and we just pray for lorraine and uh we thank you that uh the sacrifices uh, that miriam was able to make for her and we and we thank you for her interest in this this family and and the love that there's something that she's seen that is different and questionable and 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 almost annoying to her that she needs to know more lord we thank you that she knows you and we pray that she grows in that and she strengthens in that and her herself can go and, and make more disciples of you. Thank you for Lorraine. Thank you for Miriam. And thank you for the Edwards. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Miriam. So let's give her a hand. So, so all different stories today. I haven't given them strict guidelines, so they all sound a little bit different. But um, how's that? God is moving. Um, and um, so next up, I can invite up Jewel. Would you like to go down here, Jewel? Yeah, okay. I'll stand up there with you, down there with you. So... Same question. Right. Why is God's challenge inspired you this year? So, and a little bit about yourself. Okay. So when he said inspired and challenged, I thought, well, what inspires me challenges me and what challenges me inspires me. And then I thought, challenge can be negative. On a day of celebration like this, does he really want any negatives? And then I thought, no, there is an important one I'd like to share. If I'm honest with you, my overwhelming feeling this year has been one of lostness. Lostness? Why? Because here we have a wonderful church family and over my 80 years, John and I have been in lots of small churches of Christ where everyone is known to me and I am known to everyone. And I felt a lostness because there are so many of you here that I don't know, and you don't know me. And that feels strange. So perhaps this is a little opportunity to speak to you a little bit about who I am so you can get to know me. My lovely husband sits down the front and you might say, hey, that's a bit odd. She sits up the back, he sits down the front. Now, there are three reasons for this, and the reasons are very practical ones. I helped Judy Frost with the church role, so I need to be up the back to see the whole congregation, because some of you don't come in the front door where I see you, you come in that door. So I need to be able to see the whole group. Two more practical reasons. I really can't tolerate noise, especially noise that's behind me. And the third one is I shelter from air conditioning. It's a nice sheltered spot down there. So they're the three reasons. But we do have four lovely kids, two boys, two girls. We have three grandsons and we have four granddaughters and we have a beautiful little brand new great granddaughter. So that's pretty special. But who am I? My career has always been as a teacher. I started off being a teacher of Latin 
<laughs> and I had a great love for the gifted and talented students. I became careers advisor, then moved on to TAFE, where I was teaching in a secretarial college, moved from there to National Business College, where I was lecturing overseas graduates. Few questions there. Then I moved and my final teaching career was at Hillsong Bible College as a lecturer in church history. But along the way, I have always been a teacher. I have loved tutoring students for HSC along the way, and I still love teaching today. And I'd like to tell you a little bit about my week so you can understand that I am teaching all the time. Sundays I come along, Sundays is the day when build up the power for the week. Come along for fellowship, for worship, for sharing in communion, for having all those hugs that are so special to us. Just loving the church family. Ready for the week. Because Monday, Monday's a day when I mark a lot of papers called the great truths. They come in from the prisons, from Australia and from overseas. I mark many papers. I have to send with each a letter of encouragement. Then I report into head office because what I say counts a lot with their parole board. So I have to be very careful and conscientious about this and very prayerful. You see, we come on Sunday to be fueled to go out to serve. On Tuesday, I have the joy this year of spending some time with a dear Christian friend. We go to a local park and we pray and we talk about what God is saying to us and share the things that have touched our hearts during the week. Wednesday is a very special day because it's KYB, Know Your Bible, which is an ecumenical group, people from different churches, that's ladies, come along to share together over God's word and pray together and learn to love each other very deeply. And just a reminder, our Christmas breakup is this Wednesday, 10.30, 10 Kentia Court. Don't forget, 10.30. Then on Thursday, John and I go to the local school, to the state school here, where we look after four classes of little grade twos. You know, this is quite a shock to me. When Neil asked me, would I come and help at the school? My teaching has always been high school, tertiary, adults. And he said, would you come and do grade two? <laughs> and then I realized just how wonderful John is with little children. And I thought, yes, I can do the upfront bit and he can do all the wandering around and loving and he does. But it is a challenge with those little ones. They come from homes that have never heard the word Jesus. Julie Gann said that she, in her teaching of RE, spoke about Jesus to the class and the little girl said, never heard anyone swear so much as you, Mrs Gann. <laughs> the only time she had ever heard his name before was a swearing. So that's a very valuable ministry. Friday, five hours in the op shop, meeting the community, loving them, reaching out, welcoming, sharing all the good things that are in that op shop. 
very special time. Saturday is spent getting ready for the week, preparing all those things for KYB and RE and all the things that we do. God is so faithful. God is so good. And we depend on him so much. My prayer is this year that I might get to know you so that I can love you and serve you too. Don't go anywhere just yet, Jewel. I want to pray, pray for you and John. And uh, John, you're still not feeling the best today? You're, not feeling, are you still feeling a little unwell? So we'll pray for that as well. So just, um, just uh, yeah. Um, I appreciate the challenge with that, that lostness. The thing about the challenge and the openness about that is when you're open about it, it doesn't become critique. It just becomes what's going on. Um, and it just calls out reality and there is a sense that we are growing. I think we had 50 new members this year, maybe more. Um, um, that's exciting, but with that comes a lot of change. And so I appreciate you sharing both. Um, at first you gave me the happy list, but I'm really I'm happy that you shared some of the, the hard challenges as well because that's what grows us. So let me pray for you both and then we'll hear from our last person. Father God, thank you so much for Jewel and John. And uh, Lord, we just acknowledge... Um, just in total honesty that this place has gone through a lot of change in the last year to two years. Father, we acknowledge and we, we call out the lostness, the, the unknownness, the fear that can come with that. And Father, we just, we just pray that you speak into that. You move in that place, Lord. And for Jewel and John who are taking a step back off a few things in the coming year, Lord, um, I just pray that you uh, give them the energy to continue doing what they're doing, Lord, and to continue serving us, loving us, and praying for us. And we just also pray for John this morning, who's feeling a little unwell, Lord, that you can um, you can comfort him in that and heal him in that. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, yeah, yes. So. If you're ever in doubt of a clap, just clap. I, I, I just, I, I, for some reason, this church is a little hesitant to, to, to show that emotion. That's fine. I'm not, you won't get picked on from me if you clap. So that's fine. You're allowed to be excited. Um, it's a celebration service, and so you're allowed to celebrate. All right, last person, and then I'm going to just finish off with a thought, but I'm going to uh, ask uh, Mr. Roberts, come on up. <laughs> yeah, you can clap. So, yeah, so that's fine. Again, if you're not sure, it's okay. You can clap. Um, last person. So tell us a bit about yourself um, and what has God been stirring in you and, and your family today? Sarah's, not, Sarah's unwell today, this morning, so we'll pray for her. And, um, and, but yeah, uh, you've, you've been unwell this week as well too, so appreciate you being up here and up there. Um, yeah, really appreciate it. Take it away. No worries. Uh, yeah, so my name's Jonathan. I'm also a teacher. Um, I've never done the year... Actually, I have taught year two. So I, I do know what the little ones are like, and they are hard. Um, I, I've, I've been teaching for eight years now um, at a local Christian school, a range of different roles and um, experience. I've done a short stint of teaching um, at Griffith University, so that's to pre-service teachers and adults. Um, but I haven't done TAFE yet, so maybe I'll have to try and add that one to my list. Um, yeah, so this year, it's, it's been a good year for us. Um, I, I'm kind of speaking on behalf of Sarah as well. 
we've we've really enjoyed the challenge that this year has brought. We've been um, on quite a journey, and and we kind of feel as though this year God has been talking to us more, um, or, or possibly that we're listening more, because um, I'm sure He's always there waiting to talk to me. Um, and, and there's been lots of different journeys that we've been on, but but one in particular lately is through this course of hospitality. Um, Sarah and I have been thinking a lot about what hospitality should look like coming from our home. Um, and I've got a couple of notes here just to help me along. But yeah, so we've really been rethinking the idea of hospitality and, and the preconceived idea that hospitality is entertainment. And that's what we always thought. We thought and it's, it's, we've got to entertain people. We've got to have the good quality bottle of wine. We have to have the matching dinner plates. And we, as soon as we finish the flooring, we'll get people around. Like then, then our house is ready to hos, uh, be hospitable for everyone. Um, and, and just breaking down that idea that, you know what, if, if there's toys on the floor, that's okay. Because um, our house will never be right. It never will be all finished. And that was just an excuse that we were hiding behind. Um, and and it, it, I got to the point where I, we just finished selling a house and moving. We'd been there for three years. And we got to the point where earlier this year, we realized that I'd talked to my neighbor once. We had kind of only had one direct neighbor. Um, and I'd talked to him once because our, our tree in our yard was dropping seeds in his pool and he wondered if we could cut it down. And that was the extent of our relationship after three and a half years. And truthfully, there was a, sl- a slight proximity difficulty. Our driveways never came close, so we just never really saw them. But that wasn't an excuse and, and we felt quite a lot of shame. Um, and so we started to build a little bit more of a relationship with him. We found out that he... Um, wanted to learn guitar and we played a bit together and, and a few little things and then we ended up selling and moving, um, which doesn't really help. Um, but now we're, we're in a new home and, and our challenge is how do, we, how do we get to know the people in our street? Because um, we don't want to go another three years without actually getting to know them. Um, so yeah, the, the idea of um, not having to entertain, we're not there to entertain people, we're there to love them and to serve them. Um, and, and the challenge for us in particular is the image that God gave of serving the really hard people. Like it is so easy for me to have friends around. That's never a problem. But it's really hard to bring people that Jesus mingled with. Um, and, and he talks about, or there's so many stories about Jesus talking to tax collectors who in the day they were the lowest. They were, people were already, already being taxed more than 50%, then the tax collector just adds whatever he feels like on the day on top of that, it could be 20 or 30% again, and then if you question it, he might throw another 10% on that, and he's got the backing of um, swords and the army to make sure you pay it. So people hated them. They were hated. Um, and prostitutes, due to um, how we view um, the sexual industry these days, we're actually desensitized a lot, but back then they were the lowest people. And, and it was, um, I heard one person speak about today's equivalent would be, how would I feel about Jesus if I saw a video of him in a cave with um, terrorists out in Pakistan? How would I feel if I saw him eating with those people? Or how would I feel about him eating with um, a pedophile or someone, someone who we view as the lowest in our society? 
Um, and that's a real challenge. It's a challenge for me as a person. It's a challenge knowing that I've got young kids at home and how do I protect them. So we're nowhere near that. We're nowhere near having dinner with terrorists or anything along those lines, but, but the challenge is there. Um, so for us, what does that look like? We, we want to start to get to know um, people outside of our circle. Um, that started for me with getting back in contact with a lot of school friends who I'd kind of lost touch over the last decade. And we now, um, we formed a basketball team, so I get to see that regular ongoing um, connection with them. Um, people that I kind of lost interest in hanging out with, truthfully. Um, so that's been a challenge, but it's been really rewarding. Um, we want to set up around our weekly structure we want to have a night that's open to the lost people, um, people who may be struggling, people who may feel left out. Um, and, and that was really hard because straight away it's how do I find the lost people? I don't really know anyone who's that lost. Um, but God challenged me actually a couple of, probably a month or so ago. Um, I was chatting to my butcher of all people and he, he just made a few comments about, how life was hard and we've got talking and he still hasn't come around for dinner but he's close um he might bring the meat which would be nice <laughs> it's a very it's a good butcher <laughs> it is yeah yeah the organic one in miami <coughs> yeah it's good meat <laughs> yeah andrew andrew in a few few months or years yep um yeah so and that's that's kind of what god's been um he's been pushing us towards, yeah, just opening up our home and, and our lives. And like you heard with both families, um, it's not something that I'm just doing on my own. It's something that we as a family have to go through because I can't have anyone round for dinner without interrupting the rest of the family. Um, yeah. Great, great. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And um, it's, it's, yeah, we, God is working. It, it, um, yeah, let's, um, yeah, just... <laughs> Um, yeah, God, it's, if we don't ask each other, we don't know this stuff's going on. And so if we do, this is not the dinner conversation. We have no idea. I know that for everyone here, there is a, there is a journey there on with God right now. And there's so many conversations, so many ways God is working. So thank you for sharing. Let me pray for you and Sarah and the family. And then I'll just share a couple more thoughts and we'll, um, we'll finish off uh, with, a, with a song in a moment. So... Father, thank you so much for, for Jono and thank you for Sarah and Chelsea and Haley, Lord. And we just uh, lift up their family. We lift up the sickness that has been there this week and we pray for healing. We, we pray that you, are, you stir in that. And Father, we just uh, also uh, lift them up as they just don't seek the, the type of change that means they're completely different tomorrow, Lord, but that step-by-step change to be obedient to the steps that you are giving them, Lord. We pray for 2019. We pray for the basketball teams, the butcher, the, the, all those connections, Lord. And we just pray that uh, they can be your light in those places and that those people know that they are found, that they are searched for and they are loved by you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Thank you so much, Jono. So I just wanted to, yeah, it's good. Just wanted to finish with one more, kind of one more story. Uh, on a beach, again. After a bar, we started with a beach story about me and then we'll finish with a beach story about someone else. Um, and it was after a barbecue on a beach about 2,000 years ago. 
And uh, it's, it's the end of Peter's journey. Well, not the end of Peter's journey. Journey, he has a lot more to go. But there's this amazing story. And just for the sake of it, I'll get you to write down John 21.15 to have a look at this passage. But I'm just going to walk you through the story now for time's sake as well. But John 21.15, there is this account between Peter and Jesus. It's the first time the Bible records them seeing each other since Peter denied Jesus. And so they're standing around the beach. It would be awkward. It'd be awkward, and they eat, they're having a barbecue, and Peter's probably thinking, I imagine, I just hope he doesn't know, (laughs) knowing very well he knows that I denied him not that long ago, just before he died. And Jesus approaches him. It actually gives the the feel that that he actually takes him aside, because later on it says John is witnessing it. So it means it's just a few of them. So Jesus, after the meal, takes Peter aside and has this conversation. And basically says to Peter, do you love me? There's no judgment. There's no lecture. There's no, I can't believe this. Jesus just comes up after dinner. And the fact that Peter didn't jump in at dinner to quickly fix it means that Peter's grown. And Jesus quietly by the beach just asks him, do you love me? And what he actually says in the Greek is, do you agape love me? which is one of the five words in Greek, and it means, do you sacrificially love me, Peter? Peter says, I phileo love you, Jesus, which means I brotherly love you, Jesus. And so then he says, well, feed my sheep. Obey what I'm telling you. The second question then Jesus says is, do you sacrificially love me, Peter? Peter says, I brotherly love you, Jesus. I love this. Peter is self-aware. He knows he may not actually be there yet. He knows his weakness. He knows that not just a couple of days before, he wasn't ready to give his life for Jesus. And so he's honest and says, I brotherly love you, Jesus. Jesus setting a benchmark. Here's where we're going to get, mate. (laughs) We're going to get here. But I'm not lecturing you. I'm not trying to have a go at you. We're going to do this together. Church history shows Peter gives his life and um, kind of who knows if, how factual, so I'm careful with this because it's not in the Bible, but it says he was possibly crucified upside down because he said, I'm not worthy enough to be crucified the same way as my Saviour. So guess what? Peter sacrificially loves Jesus later on. They get there. And then lastly, Jesus says to him, do you brotherly love me, Peter? And Peter says, I brotherly, you know that I love you. You know that I brotherly love you, Jesus. I don't know what type of year you've had this year, and I'm going to ask the band to come up now. But I, um, for many of us, I know this church has been. Um, lot of, lots of us this year might have been defined by loss. Some of you might have been by sickness. Others this year are looking back and hearing some of these stories, and you're admitting to yourself. I wasn't really listening to God this year. I could listen a little bit more. You might feel like you're off by a degree or you're a whole 180 degrees off. Maybe addictions got in there. Maybe you've set other benchmarks. Maybe it's about your your business or what people have thought of you, both online and offline. Maybe it's about what your neighbours thought of you. Maybe you've found a different voice this year that's defined you. 
we're not here today to say this morning that Jesus wants to lecture you. He's not angry at you. He's not ready to scold you the moment you step back in. He's just asking for some space and he wants to kindly invite you and challenge you back into 2019 and the rest of this year with him. If that's you, we're going to pray from our love you to pray with us and just ask. If you felt, even if it's just been half a degree off, Jesus wants you to come back in line, come back into his will. He's got a purpose for you as he did for Peter and he wants to grow you and challenge you. And if we do that as a community, man, we thought 2018 was big. How exciting is next year? Let's, uh, let's pray.